All right, we're live. Here we are, Burlington on the spot. Timothy Potler. Oh, Tim's fine. Tim, Tim. I'm glad I finally got you in here. Well, we we've been working at it for a day or two, but we've been uh, trying for about eight months. Well, the pandemic kind of changed things. Too. It did. It threw us off a little bit, but yep. um, let's start out. Give us a little introduction about you know your background and all that good stuff. Um, I've been a farmer my entire life. I was born in '54. Um, grew up in the sixties with all of its turmoil, um, farmed from day one. I mean, I knew what I wanted to do when I grew up, I was going to be a farmer and, uh, never went to college. Um, got a high school education and that's it. Married my wife, Elizabeth Stegman in 75. We've got three daughters. Uh, my brother Gary and I have a partnership. And we formed that in 76, and it's still ongoing. That says a lot because most partnerships don't last quite that long. That's tough, yeah, yeah. especially so with family. The farming piece has uh, uh, grown over the years, um, renting more ground. Not so much ownership, but uh, the family farm is still intact, and but we lease quite a bit of other ground. So. Right. How did you know you wanted to farm from day one? I mean, was that because you grew up with your family farming already? or Yes. I mean, I drove a tractor as soon as dad would put me in one. And I didn't realize that <clears throat> probably shouldn't have started so early because it got old pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it uh, was just what I wanted to do. I mean, there was something else that I wanted to do, but uh, I just didn't. I think I wanted to venture out that far away out of my comfort zone after I got out of high school. Should have went to college. <laughs> Would you have gone to CU then? Or is that why you're wearing that? Or no. If you're listening, he's wearing a CU. <laughs> I'm CSU. So that's why Which I had is, to say it, something. It's there. fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's all good. My, my, uh, I wanted to get into computers when I got out of school. Oh. But the fear of going to college, I'm a, I'm a slow reader. Honest to God. I mean, that's been a problem for me. My entire life. Huh. But I read every word. I can tell you exactly what I, I can tell you what color the dress was, how many polka dots were on the dress, if it tells you. And I was scared to death to go to college because if they gave me a three-chapter English lit assignment, I'd be up all night. Wow. And so I just kind of said, you know what, Dad? If you're okay with this, I want to farm. So... That took you down the path, and you've been doing it ever since. Yep, pretty much. Right on. Well, and I met you, you know, coming out to the farm, helping you with some stuff. But one of the first things we started talking about, and I want to talk about today, sure. not just farming, but but water. Right. Yep. Right? Yep. So, yep. And, and it fascinated me because, and we'll go down this path, but I had a really older, wise person. I'm not going to say names, but. Oh, that's fine. You know, you, of course, but also, um, I had another, not, well, you're younger, sorry, older than you. <laughs> he, uh, he told me though, he said, Hey, I have a piece of advice for you. Keep your eye on the water table for living out here. And so, and I mean, yeah, give us a little background on what your position was with water and what's, let's, let's dive in there a little bit. Well, the water, the water piece of it's very near and dear to me because, uh, where I live over Northeast of Stratton, I've got approximately 17 feet of water left in the hole. So the table has dropped from, let's say, in the early 60s when this 
aquifer was being developed for the economic gain of the communities. Uh-huh. Probably had 50 or 60 feet of water in that hole. Today it's down to 17. And agriculture's <laughs> pumped out the lion's share of that. Granted, for the economic gain of all these communities, but what's left, we've got to start really safeguarding. And agriculture is going to have to take a different look at it because we can't just keep doing status quo operation out here because right now it's a race to the bottom. And I'd like to see that consumptive use reduced. And there's a movement to try to attain that. So that's a good thing. Good. So you were on, it was the Republican basin. Was that like the water committee or I remember kind of well, walk the, me through uh, that again. Yeah, I'm on the Plains Groundwater Management District, which is the, the local um, groundwater district. We've covered the western, the eastern two-thirds of Kit Carson County. Okay. That's how I got involved in the water piece. But then in 04, um, the state was in trouble on the Republican River uh, basin. Okay. The compact between uh, Kansas, Nebraska, and Colorado. And I was appointed by the county commissioners to represent Kit Carson County on this board. This, at the time, it was a 15-member board. Uh, is that right? Uh, yeah. There were seven counties, seven groundwater management districts, and one other appointee from the Groundwater Commission. So that's 15-member board at the time. And that was way back in 04. 04, yep. And I represented the county uh, for 15 years until just this past fall when I was appointed to the Groundwater Commission by the governor, and um, Steve Kramer took my place representing the county, and I now represent the Colorado Groundwater Commission on this group, the Republican River Water Conservation District. Okay. So when that board was formed, what was the purpose of it? To assist the state of Colorado in compact compliance on the Republican, because in OLF, in, um, let's see... 2002, well, about 1998, there was a lawsuit that was starting. There was trouble on the Republican. Kansas was not happy with Nebraska or Colorado. So Kansas sued for more water on the Republican drainage, according to the compact, about 2,000 somewhere. And Nebraska enjoyed that so much, they said, hey, if we're getting sued... Colorado, come join us. Oh. So we got drug into it. We just finished up a big deal down on the Arkansas. Uh-huh. The state spent $30 million on a settlement, plus probably easily another $30 million in attorneys and just going through that whole process for mm-hmm. 10, 15 years. They didn't want to do that up here. So they formed this by statute. We're formed by statute and um, <clears throat> to assist the state stay in compact compliance and as of today we are in compact compliance what does that mean exactly because i you know i, we, we I know are, nothing no, about that's, this that's fine. and i know there's going to be people listening too you know i mean so what does that mean stay in compact compliance we have to we're the upstream state we we can use we can consume so much water out of the aquifer but that consumption out of the aquifer affects stream flow and the aquifer is basically, it's like under the ground, right? The it's big, like, the big basin. It's I mean, big the basin Ogallala, where... it goes from 
Texas, clear to North Dakota. Holy smokes. It's okay. a big dog. It's I called mean, the Ogallala? Ogallala Aquifer. Yep. And is that because the center of it's like Ogallala, Nebraska? No, or has oh, I have no nothing idea. to do with it? Or? Nothing to do with it. Um, I'm just envious, envious of people in Nebraska because they've still got the lion's share of the water. Oh. We're setting on, I told you, 17 feet of water. There's places in Nebraska where they've got 1,100 feet of water. Whoa. Yeah. So they're not worried. No, ab- they're not really <laughs> too worried about it. But huh. in the Republican drainage in Nebraska, that's a different story. This That was... The big amount of water is still setting in, in uh, north-central Nebraska. But the southern part of Nebraska, where the Republican drainage is, they're, it's, they're, they've still got lots of water. But it's not as good as north-central. 1,100, I mean, that's considerable can, when you look at 17. 17 feet. And then when this all started, it was 60, right? You said 60 feet, and that was back in the 90s? 1960. Oh, in 60. Yeah. So... I mean, so it's been going down steadily, but it's not like it, maybe it drops. I don't know what the math is. There like a, a, foot, a foot a year? year. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's kind of what rule of thumb. So obviously my first question is if we only have 17 left, I mean. Well, that's in my area. In your area. Over here in Burlington, it's, it's, it's deep because the, the shale is the bottom of the bowl, okay. the aquifer. And <clears throat> there's not, it's not a perfect bowl with a, it, it comes out of the ground, the shale does, over at Genoa. Oh. So if you can imagine the bull, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the way it is. Like the top of that's over at Genoa? That's the top of it. And as the, as the water has declined down the, and it's not just a smooth decline. There's highs and lows. There's pockets of water left versus actually aquifer water left. It's still aquifer water, but it's not being fed by anything. And when that little pocket's gone, it's gone. So then what happens? Then you, then you go to your neighbor and see whether you can tap into their supply. Because that's what's going to happen. There are people in Kit Carson County already that don't have adequate water in the aquifer left, even for domestic or livestock. They have to pipe it from the neighbors. No joke. So how does that work? I mean, you, you actually have to create the pipeline and you're you getting have to the put water. In, yeah, I mean, there's... Oh, the, the government helps do that and like over in the Lyman area now that's outside the Ogallala there's big ranches west of Lyman and they have over in the last 20 years put in they were running out of their water supply sooner than we were there's miles and miles of pipeline but there's no water to put in it it's where getting, so where are they pulling from a different aquifer because the front range has some of its own water that makes oh, yeah. its way down here right nope no N- none of the front range water makes it out here because they consume it all for, or it just, it's, it's, we're isolated from that water. The, the, the aquifer that we pump out of the shale comes out of the ground. Nothing else can come in. Mm. The only recharge we have here is water that falls from mother nature, rain, right. makes it to a sand creek and can percolate down into the aquifer. But the problem is, is, over time, we do better job of holding that water on the soil surface and not letting it run off. Uh, so um, we use six to seven gallons. This is what the engineers tell us. We use six to seven gallon for agricultural pur- purposes for every gallon of recharge we get. That's not good. No. So you can see. So we're just really out using what Mother Nature's yeah. giving us. And it's not sustainable. I mean, to, to keep the engine, economic engine going at the rate we're going now, 
um, to shut that off is the only way to sustain the aquifer. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Well, so you got to start looking at conservation you, then. Oh, huge, hugely. We should have been doing it 20 years ago, but I guess it's better to start now. Well, and then how do you, how do you start measuring? So like yours is 17 mm -hmm. and there's places here where it's like maybe 30 or something. Well, or? They got way more water than that even because <clears throat> the, the, the shale is deeper here. Okay. We're about 250 feet to shale from the soil surface over at Northeast of Stratton. We have a, the Plains Groundwater Management District, all the groundwater management districts in the Republican Basin in eastern, northeastern Colorado. It runs from like, let's say, Shine Wells clear to Julesburg. Okay. From the state line over to, to down I-70, it would be at Genoa, let's say, just as an easy. Mm -hmm. So from Genoa, you draw a line southeast to Shine Wells, and that, that's going to cover it. And from Genoa, clear to the northeast corner so of the state. So kind of like a triangle covering yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's eight groundwater management districts in that area, and they monitor the depletion of the aquifer annually. So we know we've got good data on <clears throat> how much water is left in my township northeast of Stratton versus the Burlington area, for instance. We know we know the numbers. So there's those eight different organizations. Yep. And they're, when do they measure that? Is it like every January or something? or December. December? It's, it's, it's the winter months when the pump agricultural pumping is at a standstill. Oh, that makes sense. Yep. Okay. So that we see where... where where we're at. It's like if you were checking your oil and you leave the car off for a while because it's yep. not okay. Yep, exactly. Because each well creates a cone of depression right at the well site. Okay. It takes time for that water to migrate and fill that back in so that you get an accurate, accurate reading count. of what the top layer of the water, where is it at today? And has the depletion been consistent like year over year? Is it getting worse or better or just kind of the same? You know, it, it, it goes with mother nature. Um, 2012, we, we consumed a boatload of water, 2002, but both of those were extreme drought years, a lot of heat. And, and it kind of goes along, yeah, it ebbs and flows, but it goes with what precip we get. Because gotcha. the more precip we get, the less water we've got to pump to maintain the crops. So they formed you guys in 2004 mm -hmm. to try and not have people fight over the issues. Is that kind of, is that right? Well, to assist the state in getting into compact compliance. <clears throat> and there was a lot that went into that. Um, we assumed, we were told by the state that if we retired about 30,000 acres out here of irrigated ground, we'd be in compact compliance. Well, and, and that means that you're not using more than they see that you should be using to be sustainable long-term. Is not, that what that means? No, not sustainable. We're just staying in compact compliance. Because sustainability is, I mean, that, that's one issue over here that's uh -huh. really hard to attain right? if we want to keep the economic engine going. But on the other side, if we want to, we're going to continue to keep the economic engine going, but we still have this obligation. The state still has the obligation to stay in compact compliance at the gauging stations on the Republican River downstream. We've got to send X number of acre feet downstream annually. Okay, Otherwise, so that's what the compliance means. We have yes. to make sure per agreement that we're sending what we said we would. Yep. Yep. And that's exactly. going to Kansas and, and Kansas and Nebraska. Yep. Our water goes into. Um, Nebraska first, with the exception of um, 
there's parts of it that go through the northwest corner of Kansas, mm-hmm. but then back into Nebraska. The gauging station for um, the South Fork of the Republic, which Bonnie Reservoir is on, is at Bankelman, quite a ways downstream. We won't go into that because we don't have time to try to. No, but that. but one thing I I did because it made me think about the Bonnie thing, right? Because when I, I got here in 2014, okay, and I hear great stories <laughs> about Bonnie. You know, I mean, I grew up boating. No, over yeah, there. boating, yeah. and just you hear some crazy stories, right? It was just a different time and a lot of fun. But that whole Bonnie was part of this whole System. thing then too, because Kansas. Because of the compliance, that, that is that why that ended up happening? or Because I honestly don't. I mean, I'm uneducated when it comes to what caused us to lose yes. Bonnie. Bonnie. Bonnie was drained as a result of the compliance issue. Okay. Bonnie was going dry by itself, though. Mm. Why? Mother Nature and the pumping. The pumping is what... The agricultural pumping, the high-capacity wells that are pulling out oh, hundreds of thousands of acre feet annually out of the aquifer... That top of that aquifer is what feeds that those streams. Mm-hmm. For instance, on the South Fork, very little water today migrates in the off season downstream. As soon as the wells kick on, that None. water goes away. So years ago in the 80s yet, we had a big pool of water setting in Bonnie but we had more water in the aquifer to feed it. Gotcha. Over time. From the streams that were coming up. Yeah. Okay. It was coming off the top of the aquifer, feeding the streams that was feeding, keeping water in Bonnie. But over time, that diminished, stream flow diminished, and the water level just continued to go down, down, down. And we never had that big storm event that would fill it back up. In 14, or whenever we had to, whenever the state decided to pull the plug on it, because... In, from the compact standpoint, <clears throat> state of Colorado had to, as part of their compliance piece equation, was accountable for anytime you put a reservoir in, and we know it, why it was put in because of the 35 flood. Okay. I but, didn't know that. Yeah. yeah so that's the, the because 35, it really flooded and they needed a place like Chatfield, right? Up it in was, it, yeah. 100 and some people lost their lives downstream from it. it on the South Fork Ooh. and the Republican where it all came together. I mean, it was a devastating night. And wh- where was that at? Like the by Ray? Ray or? Well, it started north of Stratton. Jeez. Yep. And so that was a massive flooding event. Like, and they're like, we got a 24 inches in a 10-hour period. Act of God. Yeah. Ooh, it was major. I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime. But those storm events is what you rely on to keep – these reservoirs full, we didn't have it anymore. And this, the decline in the Bonnie, the, um, it got to the point where we were still being charged. The state was for the seepage into the back down to the, anytime you put a structure up, as I was trying to say earlier, you put a structure up to maintain flooding capabilities. I mean, the the prevention of flooding, Mm -hmm. that water sets there. Anytime there's water setting, it's either evaporating or it's seeping down into the aquifer. Both of those were accounting for a fair amount of compact compliance that we didn't, we couldn't deal with, and the only way to deal with it was drain it and get rid of it, and so that's what we did. Okay, the I state see. did right because so much was being lost because yep. 
and we have and to there was count. less to replenish it, and you have to get a certain amount out. I want to say, I want to say that that and it's been a day or two since I pulled that number up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of brain years, cells, right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of brain cells have gone by the way sure. since then. But I want to say that was about five thousand acre feet of compliance water that we had to come up with, and so it just made sense to. And we could not. The state of Colorado could not negotiate with the state of Kansas to get some kind of forgiveness on that piece. Because even people from Kansas wanted to maintain a presence with water in that reservoir on Bonnie because they recreated there. Yeah, so it's not like they were like, yeah, drain it. I mean, they saw well, the they, they really they enjoyed were, it as well. They were complaining to their state saying, no, don't don't make Colorado drain that thing. Mm. But ours that well, we and then occasionally, every so often, I'll hear a rumor, oh, Bonnie's coming back. I That's probably not going to happen, right? No. Okay. I doubt it. I mean... And, it, Just from it, what it, we've it, talked about. If I, we have a major storm event that would fill it, or even partially fill it, the plug would be pulled. It's still pulled, and anything just is going to pass right through. The problem is it's going to take quite a while for it to pass through because the outlet structure doesn't allow. If that thing filled, it would probably take 9, 10, 12 months to drain it. And, and Into the, whole, the aquifer? Well, no, downstream. Oh, downstream. Downstream. Okay. It, it there is a way for it. You can bypass the water through the through the dam structure and let it uh, spill out on the other side into the spillway. But that takes a, a lot of time when you've got tens of tens tens of thousands of acre feet back on the backside that you're trying to get through this thirty six inch outlet. That would take a long inch. time. Yeah. But then that would also take a huge event that we haven't had. No. To fill yep. it up. Yep. But never say never. So, oh, it, it's we're a day closer. I guarantee you. Yeah, I mean, look at history. No, yeah, you're right. Eventually, it, history says it will happen again. Oh. In my lifetime, I've never seen the South Fork of the Republican North of Stratton run. And I'm 66 years old, and 20 years ago, I was already asking because of my involvement with the water. I was asking the old timers that still lived up there that went through the 35 flood. Uh-huh. When was the last time they saw it run? They couldn't tell me. Wow. So it's, it's that was a major storm event that took place. I mean, it's, that was a, probably a, could it be one in a 150 year storm? Yeah. 200 year storm. So you never know though. Yep. So when you look back on the, I guess the last 16 years of being on that board, mm-hmm. Um, are you glad that you served on that? I mean, it feels like you guys got accomplished what you were wanting to. I'm sure it must have been contentious because it is a tough conversation and there's people that are losing water, right? Well, it's it, it's it's so complex because we live in a very complex basin, east to west, north to south. We don't have nearly as much water as they have north of here. The deeper water is north of here, but even it is declining. Um, so to come up with programs... It's, I can't imagine what the United States government goes through when they try to come up with a program where they're trying to f- make one plan fit 50 states. And here we were trying to make one plan fit eight counties, and it was a struggle. And it still is a struggle to this day, especially in the conservation piece. Um, but we, we retired 30,000 acres, going back to that. We got that accomplished, but we weren't able to recover enough water from those retirements to make up and be back in compact compliance. 
So as it stands right now, we're not in compliance? We are in compliance. Okay, we are. But we have a pipeline that puts us in compliance. After a short period of time, I would say 04 to 07, even already in 06, we started to figure out that this retirement ain't going to work. I mean, it's a good thing for those areas where we retire the water because it leaves it in the hole for domestic and livestock use, okay? But we weren't going to get into compact compliance because what happens when you retire a well 30, 40 miles away from the stream? I don't know if it's 40. Yeah, I mean, it could be. twenty. Let's say 20 miles. Mm -hmm. The impacts from that well that, had, that has been pumping for 40 years, the impacts from that well, let's back up. If your well's sitting right on the stream, you shut it off, it's an immediate impact to the stream flow. Gotcha. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. If you're away 20 miles... It's going to take a while. The impacts of the, the negative impacts from that pumping continue to hit the stream year after year after year. So <clears throat> retirements weren't going to be the answer. So the agreement between the three states back in 2002 was um, it allowed any one state to put in a pipeline to get into compact compliance. That's the direction we went. And, and what year was that when you decided to do the pipeline? About 2007. Because in, in, by 2007, we had bought the water late. Actually, we bought it in January of 2008. We bought 56 permits up northeast of Ray. And in the most ideal spot, a family came to us and said, hey, we think we've got what you need. Gotcha. We paid a price for it, but by today's standards, it still looks like it was a good deal for everybody. Right. Both, both, both sides. That water would be worth twice of what it is today. I mean, I mean, what we paid for it, we'd have to pay twice. Right. Today. So it made sense. Then. And then, so that pipeline is pumping it, and where is it ending up then right now? Okay. It's going into Kansas and Nebraska? or The pipeline is approximately 13 miles long from... Mm -hmm. It's northeast array. Okay. Is where our well field is. We're in the deepest part of the aquifer in Colorado with the best sustainable amount of water. It's a good deal. Um, got 13 mile of pipeline that dumps it. We dump it in right into the North Fork, less than a half a mile from the gauging station. So Kansas could not, if, you, if you'd have dumped it into the North Fork five miles upstream, We'd had stream loss that Kansas would have wanted accounted for. This way, doing what we did and getting the water bought where we bought it and yeah. being able to dump it in, it was every everything kind of came together. So here you go, thing. Kansas. You can't blame us. It's coming right there. And we're gonna and we want hundred percent credit for every yeah. gallon for every acre. Because you don't have seepage on those nope. five miles. It's right there. It's There's, right there. So that's so what, that's are they pretty? Did. So the where we stand today is we're in compliance. Mm -hmm. They're happy, I guess. Right. For the most part, I mean, there's 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 some there's still an issue. Okay, um, we're in compliance statewide, but there's see, there's a total of four tests to keep us in compliance. There's the statewide test that the, that the pipeline takes care of, but we still have to be in compliance on the North Fork, the Arikaree, and the South Fork. We're out of compliance on the South Fork. Typically, the statewide, we, we, we satisfy it by the pipeline, but technically the South Fork is an issue for us. So 
So what does that mean if we're out of compliance? Do they fine us? I mean, do they tell us, hey, get that water over here? They've they've negotiated a deal where by 2029, they want, Kansas wants the state of Colorado to retire 25,000 acres on the South Fork. Okay. They've carved, the three states have carved out an area on the South Fork that comes down through through this Burlington area, west of, Bur- west of Burlington, clear down to the southern part of Kit Carson County. 80% of this irrigation in this, what we call the South Fork Focus Zone, where we're trying to concentrate dollars to retire water to the tune of 25,000 acres, is what the agreement says we have to do. And if we achieve that, the caveat is the South Fork issue goes away. It, they, this was the first time Kansas didn't require stream flow, actual wet water in the stream to be at some gauging station. Mm. They just simply said, you retire 25,000 acres and on the South Fork, we're good to go. Hmm. So it, it's very vital that the basin... And that's by 2029? Yes. There's, okay. two, there's, two, there's a 10,000 acres um, requirement by 2024. Gotcha. So it's yeah, it's 15. like in little yeah. sections. Two two sections. When I hear you say retirement, it, it makes me think of a term eminent domain. Is that kind of what it's like? I no, mean, because it, well, it's, it's all voluntary. Oh, it's voluntary. Yep. And then so if you're going to retire that kind, are you going around to people and people are saying, "Hey, I, I'll do that." Do they get compensated? I mean, I guess how does that work? Yes, we've got uh, federal programs. Good job. That, that sounds good. Uh, um, anyway. We're good. You're, you're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> We've got, uh, we get federal dollars through what we call the CREP program, the Conservation Reserve Enhancement Program, which is <clears throat> a, an irrigated brother to dryland CRP, okay? Um, at least that's the way we're using it in Colorado, is for irrigated CRP. You retire your water permanently. You get compensated per acre up to, we're going to talk about this a little bit. Each county's got a different rental rate, okay? Uh, we were at $180 an acre in Kit Carson County um, since 2014. Um, so the, the feds put in $180 per year. The district puts in about $20 to $30 a year into that program per acre for the retirement. In other words, you retire a circle of 120, 130 acres, mm-hmm. you're going to get paid for 15 years, 200 bucks an acre in Kit Carson County, let's say. Now, that's not the case right now, but we'll, I'll clarify that. So it's a pretty good deal. Uh, it's not like you're, you're being hung out to dry, although some people still don't care for it. Uh, we, and we don't get the big water, we get the small water. Right. By that, you, you see what I'm saying? I yeah. mean, if it's no, not economically feasible to keep their economic engine going because they just literally don't have enough water left, they retire it. Because they're like, look, I'm already losing this battle. Yep. It makes sense at yep. this point to retire it and yep. then figure something out. Yep. So you don't anticipate, I mean, there's going to be people that are volunteering. To, I, I hope mean, so. Yeah. I mean, there's a big In push the past, right is that how it's been? I mean, you know. We, we, we've kind of we've went through ebbs and flows. In 2006, we had a huge sign-up. I mean, people, that's when we retired the 30,000 acres was in one season, basically. Wow. And since then, because commodity prices after 
in the 07, 08 range, they start. They took off. Yeah, I remember that. Well, yeah, retirements were non-existent. Oh, okay. And they have so been. it's almost inverse to the prices. So yeah, it's it's a voluntary with financial compensation. We don't we don't nobody's coming out here and saying you're going to shut your water off and yeah you're going to and be for violent. some people it makes sense and it it depends on the commodities right and and you know the the philosophy is is you know where you, if you've got good water yet and you don't want to retire don't because that engine that you've got out there is still helping generate economy for the entire basin and people don't realize what that water's done for us since the 60s right when it was developed here in eastern colorado because if you go west of here down i-70 where they've never had the ability to access the aquifer like what give me like well from flagler on okay flagler has limited they their community is still pretty thriving but you go west of there araba genoa there's just, it's all dry land pretty much then? Yeah, I mean, very much so. And so as the water goes, so do those communities. And even in my lifetime, my little community of Stratton, it is not what it was from a business standpoint. The population is pretty much the same, but the businesses are, and even in Burlington County seat, you, in my lifetime, when I think of the business up and down Main Street, mm -hmm. they're just gone. And it's all, it all hinges on <laughs> what that aquifer's done for us. Well, and, and I mean, the interesting thing about some of the things that are going on in the world today is we are seeing, and I, I'm seeing this, there's a push for people moving rural. Sure. And I'm seeing more of that, believe it or not. And because of some of the satellite part of our business, right. you start seeing people that are moving out of Westminster. I had one from Arvada. They're going down to Lahana. They're coming. I mean, yep. it's it's interesting. So well, It's interesting, but it's it's also putting extra stress on those uh, systems in the rural Colorado yeah. that, that are now having to adapt to, holy cow, how, <laughs> right. do, we do, how do we do this? Where are we yeah. going to get the water? I mean, to me, people keep moving into the front range of Colorado in droves right uh, from california let's say and to me the and and the economic growth that colorado wants along the front range is just astounding but the piece that they haven't got figured out is where's the water going to come from for everything because the aquifers up there are getting tapped out too really and it's all hinged on then what the runoff is and, and that's snowpack and, 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 and we have mother some of these nature, years where there's yeah, a snowpack and if mother nature decides you know it ain't going to happen this year. There's not a darn thing we can do about it. So what would happen if you had a major drought or something, right? And then let's say in like five, six years, and we just said, hey, sorry, Kansas, we're, we're not going to be in compliance, and we're not going to be able to, to retire it. I'm just curious. I know it's a hypo, but I mean. that That's the, the ultimate concern, and the answer to that is it wouldn't be good. Because okay. or Kansas is going to do whatever they've got to do to preserve their livelihoods. They need the water just like we do. We've got an obligation, and we can't fulfill that obligation. If we get out of compact compliance, even though we're, we're making our best effort, the state of Colorado is going to have to come in and do something, and nobody's going to like that. So they're trying to give us the ability today to say, we're not going to do it. You guys figure this out. You come up with conservation plans. You reduce the consumptive use to prolong the life of this aquifer. We will help, but 
you 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 come up with the plan. I think rather, I understand, than, yeah. rather than us shove it down your throat, we're going to fix it because you're not. <clears throat> yep. And, and we then, don't and do I understand what it would do is it would kick it up to a higher level, is what you're saying, a well, governmental level. We, where we, they, we don't want that to happen know, if we can heat, if we can keep it from happening. Okay. <clears throat> well, that was really insightful. And so, what you know, this new committee you're on, what's different about that? Well. Yes, I'm not sure which committee you're talking about. Well, you said that you switched, right? You went well, off of the, 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 Colorado, the groundwater? Or? The Colorado Groundwater Commission is a state entity that oversees all the groundwater pumping in the state of Colorado. I was appointed to that. Just as important, though, is, is what the individual, and probably more important, is what the individual groundwater management districts here in the base, the Republican Basin are attempting to do Starting, let's say, a year ago, there's been a definite push in the basin speared by the Republican River Water Conservation District because working with the state, we have a pretty good understanding of, hey, we got to do something. we got to stay in compliance. We've got to reduce our consumptive use annually. Groundwater management districts, you've got the authority to do that. The RWCD, by statute, does not have the authority to reduce consumptive use. That has been left to the groundwater management districts from the, oh, the act which was signed. I'm drawing a blank as to when it was like in the late 60s. Okay. The uh, Groundwater Management Act was signed into law by the state of Colorado and formed these groundwater management districts. And it gave them the authority to govern how the water is going to get used. Now, that's been a pretty much uniform system. But now moving forward with our conservation piece that we're trying to implement, every distri district, every groundwater management district is going to look a little bit different because of the amount of water they've got left in the aquifer. And how they're going to manage it. And how we're going to manage it. And that is a huge, huge undertaking for these groundwater management districts because farmers, they know something's coming. And the human nature side of it says, we're not going to like this. But they're doing it right across the state line in Kansas and Nebraska, mm -hmm. and they're making it work. So we're saying to our folks, well, if they're doing it, why can't we do it? It's to our benef benefit, and, and we should be concerned about. My philosophy on this is, <clears throat> how do I want to say it? The Plains Groundwater Management District in, in Kit Carson County needs to be very concerned about the water they have left and not be bothered with what other districts are trying to do and how they're going to try to achieve it, we need to figure out a system that works for us. Now, there's going to be some similar methods attempted across the basin in these groundwater management districts, and they're really doing a, a I don't know how to say it, a very good job of trying to analyze what they're doing over in Kansas and Nebraska and saying, let's not reinvent the wheel here. If it works, let's, let's, let's piggyback onto what they've done. There's been a lot of meetings with those folks in those other two states to say, tell us how you did this, because their process was huge and very long and very expensive. So we're trying to short circuit that somehow. Yeah, learn from their mistakes. Yeah. And then, yeah. So how many people are on your committee? Well, this, this, uh, the task forces it's being called of the Republican River Water Conservation District has one representative from each of the groundwater management districts. So that means there's eight on this committee trying to come up with a plan, a standard that says, okay, across the basin, nobody can use more than X, whatever that is. And 
each individual district may have a standard that's going to be greater than that because the amount of water that they have dictates that, guys, we can't pump at the rate. The neighbors over here, because they've got way more water than we've got. So based on what we've got left, we're, I mean, like the Plains District is <clears throat> working on developing this plan, and it's all about how much water you got left is going to dictate how much water you can pump moving forward. And then that's going to be a five-year. In other words, what they do is they say, I'm just going to throw out some rough numbers. Okay. And for easy figure, and we're going to say 20 inches. You can pump 20 inches a year. Now, some of these wells can't even pump 20 inches. So it's not going to be 20. It's going to be something less, maybe 15, maybe 12. Okay. I don't know what, yeah. what it's going to be. But whatever that number is, you take it times five, and over a five-year block of time, that is how much water you can pull out of the aquifer. You manage it however you want. You can pull it all out the first year, in, or in the first two and a half years, three years. That means you got to go dry land the last two. People are going to manage it. However, we don't want to dictate that. We're just saying X number of inches of water in this five-year block of time. And when you're saying manager, are you talking about like individually or as a as an as an entity? What as a well owner? Okay, so it is really you, you, as a well owner. You're, you're saying hey, you can use this much water over a five-year block of time. So how do you convey that message to them? I mean, well, do they just get it in the mail, or it's all got to be done? very legally right a groundwater management district has the ability the state's got a standard okay the standard is you can pump up to 30 inches a year a year that's two and a half acre that's two and a half feet of water that's, per acre that's a boatload of water it seems like a lot of water well yeah. it is but in some soil types and in some parts of the basin they can do that their wells are still big enough that's not a sandy problem. textured soil they have to Okay. Or at least they think they have to. Okay. Um, <clears throat> down here, it's a whole different ball game. But what I was trying to say is the state, on your permit, sets this standard of 2.5 acre feet per acre. Most permits are 400 acre permits, 400 acre foot annually that you can consume. And that's based on 160 acres times 30 inches that's how they came up with the 400. If you do the math, yeah, it's, 400, no, it's yeah. 400 acre feet. Mm. So a groundwater management district can restrict that further. Okay. You can't, we can't make it less restrictive, but we can, we can turn the screws down and make it tighter. So we can, we can change in, in the Plains district. We could change that permit. We're not going to mess with the permit. All we're doing is saying we're not, you can't pump more than X. And there's a real legal process that we have to go through as a groundwater management district to make all this happen so that I guess one, geez. the public is aware of what we're doing and they have a chance to, um, there's going to be a lot of information meetings because we're going to have, this is going to be a process Coming up where you're, Oh yeah, this whole thing's got to evolve and people, but people, I think for the most part, since the RWCD was formed in 04, there's a little bit different, water mentality, um, people are, people understand that we can't keep doing what we're doing and make it sustain and last. Right. So it's time to pony up and start pinching it down. And that's where you have to keep messaging. It's the messaging. Yep. And I mean, get it. communication's got to be huge in this whole thing. Gotcha. And then, so like, um, man, the amount of work that goes into that, I mean, how much, how many hours do you spend on this a week? 
for a month. I mean, a lot. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't. No, I, I just don't even mean, want to say, it, but you know, it, it, I mean, a lot. I guess it's a lot of volunteer time. I know. Yeah. It, I know because it's not man. a paid position, then, right? It's all volunteer. Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah. man. So. Yeah. And then, so like, is it like a, an electrical meter, right? The meter? You, well, I mean, they're going to go check because how do you make we, sure we, that they we, don't, the wells, how do you we make all sure have, they don't use more than 20? Every well has a water meter on it already. And people go around and check it. And oh, yeah. You've got to turn in data every year. What your meter reads, how many acre feet of water you consumed in a calendar year. It's got to be. What if they go over? Well, there's issues. <laughs> there's you get fines. There, there's penalties and fines. Penalties and fines. And like over in Nebraska and Kansas, if you go over your the amount that this conservation plan allows you to use, um, it's it's not monitored necessarily yearly because you can use it however you want, just as long as you don't exceed X number of inches at the end of the five years. But at the end of the five years, if you go over, there are some serious consequences in Kansas. So that's okay in Kansas. Yep, and we're, we're going to adopt the same thing. So you just have to make sure you're managing it, look at the drought conditions, and really forecast over the next five years. The producers, that's going to be on the producer to come up with that. Gotcha. And, so and throughout you know, the basin, it'll be that way, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. So if people are listening to this or watching it, I mean, what are the big things coming up that they need to be aware of? Like meetings or, I mean. One thing that they need to be aware of the fact that this discussion is taking place in the basin by, as a, as a group, of groundwater management districts, but each individual groundwater management district is having that discussion amongst themselves at their meetings. Producers in those groundwater management, everybody knows what groundwater management district you're pumping out of. We're in the plains. Yep. North here goes into the Rickery. Even in parts of Kit Carson County, it's part of the Rickery. So you know who the entity is that you're needing to pay attention to. And it would be great if producers would go get involved already at this level in the process. Well, and explain to me what a producer means exactly. Well, anybody that's pumping water has got a permit. Okay. So that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. So then do you have like a meeting like quarterly or, or well, semi-annually and everyone gets together? And Well, we when we start doing these conservation plans uh, and, and rolling that out, there's going to be, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of information put out in the press. Okay radio but we're gonna to have to have meetings where we come in bring the producers in invite them in explain what's happening what direction we think we need to go based on here's the data get yelled at and and, and, and it's and it's really oh yeah that's that's a given but it, it's it's not it's not something to take lightly no i know it's important it is, that's why i wanted you in here is because it, it's a it, big deal it's, it is a big deal and um People need to understand. And, and what's, what's funny is, to me, and you and I have had this conversation before, <clears throat> that young lady sitting right over there needs to be aware of this situation. Because guess what? She likes water, too. Yeah. I mean, well, and that's, that was my next question. It's a great segue. I mean, like, what do you think people should know and be worried about? I mean, or concerned. That's a better word, concerned. I would say that everybody needs to be involved in this discussion when it's made public. When, 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 the, when we're asking for public comment as a groundwater management district throughout the basin, people need to get involved, whether they're a homeowner in, in, a, in a municipality or they're actually a 35-acre track out in the country or if they're, they've got a high-capacity well that they're using for irrigation 
for crop production. Everybody that consumes water needs to be in on this dialogue, in my opinion, because we all use it. Right. Agriculture uses 90% of the water that we take out of the aquifer, if not more. Yeah, but that's a necessary use. Well, is it or isn't it? I'm, I'm just going to throw well, you're a farmer, out. so you, to, you would know, I mean, better than me. Well, I went from irrigated ground to uh, my family is completely out of the irrigation business. So everything's dry the, land now? Yep. So I've, I've already made that transfer. And emotionally, it's a son of a gun because you don't have that, that uh, security blanket out there anymore. You're, you are totally reliant on Mother Nature. And uh, it's not any fun. Yeah, that could be tough. Drought. Yeah. <laughs> but when, when the aquifer kind of passes you by, so to speak, what, what choice do you have? Well, and I mean, I guess do people, from a concern standpoint, I mean, well, we talked about compliance versus sustainability. I mean, are we thinking that in, tw I mean, eventually if the, if it's at 17 and it's a, a foot a year in some places, what's going to happen when we get down to three, two? I mean, there's no way to stop that, right? Well, <clears throat> the trouble is, is you can stop it by just quite not using by it. By just not using it. And, and they claim that there'll be enough water for domestic and livestock use. But the trouble is, is the bowl is not flat bottomed the water's going to eventually migrate in the, in the soil texture down there that makes up this aquifer that's holding all this water. Mm -hmm. It's going to migrate to the low spot, correct? I mean, that's what water yeah, does. Yeah, that's what it does. It seeps well, down, yeah. When it migrates past you, you are SOL. So, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you go down into uh, Kiowa County, City of Eads, I'm not sure where they get their water. But there's people down in Kiowa County that actually truck water to their farms. I didn't know that. Yep. Well, and so I, my point is, is everybody needs to engage in this conversation, whether you're a homeowner relying on the city of Burlington for water, because guess what? They got the same situation. Right. So, yeah, it's just, it, 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 you take water out of eastern Colorado, what's it going to look like? Yeah, it's not good. Not good. So when's the next, what's the next big meeting? Or, I mean, do you even know that at this point? I, I, where can't, it's gonna... I can't tell you other than the fact that this, this committee, this task force of the RWCD just met again, and I think for the second or third time, they're trying to pull this thing together. The I know the Plains District here in Burlington, in Kit Carson County, is trying to put this together. And I would think that we maybe would have something by spring that we could roll out and say, Here's what we're thinking. What do you think? And, and, and have it all very appropriately laid out so that we've got documentation as to, you know, in a deal like this, when you're talking about people's livelihoods, you can't short circuit the system. You've got to go through and do due diligence and be able to document how much water's left. Your plan, how is that going to work? Everything. I mean, you've got to really have your act together, so to speak. And, and as that a, takes time. It does. And then as a homeowner, you're saying conservation then. I mean, that's, well, that's I mean, the, the piece that you're going to, right? I mean. Homeowners, um, they just need to be aware of what's going on because I'll just, I'll just say it like this. A homeowner that's got a 35-acre track out in the country, 
he doesn't want to necessarily just leave this decision as to how much water we can pump by the big wells left to the big wells. That's kind of like leaving the uh, fox in charge of the hen house. So I speak. gotcha. So, so it needs to be, everybody I, needs to engage. You need to engage to like make sure you're representing your interests. Yes. Okay. I mean, if you've got a, if you've got a domestic or livestock permit in your file cabinet that services your home out in the country where you're allowed to pump five acre feet, maybe a big well, a big, big well, some of them are pumping 400 acre feet, not in this area. Right. But further north where they've got good water. Yeah, so a domestic permit is much smaller. And if we all were doing the much smaller stuff, it would be closer to sustainability with what's left. But it's not going to happen. Okay. Because so if, we, if we shut everything off, to the, the big wells off tomorrow, mm-hmm. it would kill the economy. Yeah, we don't want to do that. And we don't want to do that. <clears throat> well, and it makes me think, too, then, so what do we get from Kansas? I mean, in Nebraska, in return, right? I mean, how, how do you understand? If, what if, if we're in compliance, what we get from them is no guff. And as soon as we go out of compliance... Well, who negotiated that? I mean, like, who says that? I mean, that, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, why? There's there's a three-state compact. What's it called? Um, the RCA, Republican River Compact Administration, which is made up of all three states. They're meeting on a regular basis, dealing with everything. And if we get out of compliance through that meeting, the three states are going to figure out what needs to be done. And so there's so because at some point they purchase the water from us. Is that no, what I'm thinking? No. I mean, I'm just trying to understand okay. like why they have a right up. to the water that's and and they should. We're 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 one country. I'm not saying well, that. But. No, but let me explain that. After the 35 flood, okay, where 100 and some 105 people lost their lives right. in the system. Uh, the three states went to the to D.C. and said, "We need help for flood control." And they said, great, we will. We'll help you out. But first, you're going to divvy up the waters on the Republican. Oh, You figure out who gets what. And that compact was signed, I believe, in 42. And And it stands today. And 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 it stands today, and things are a lot different today. There was no ground. There was no groundwater. That's very interesting, isn't it? But that's what we're – those are the numbers we're still held to. And there's no recourse because – an attorney tell, tells us this way. He says, you know, the three states are sitting around the table. Colorado comes in, sits down, and says, you know, we, we really need more today because of the irrigation. In a compact, here's the way it works. There's so much water given to each state. There isn't any more. There's only so much. If I want more, you've got to give up something. And guess what? That doesn't happen. Everyone's holding on to what oh, hey, Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, you could fall, you you can get upset at Kansas because they're the they're the they've been kind of the fly in the ointment, so to speak, over the years. But when you stop and you look at it legitimately, not through your wallet, but you look at the whole system, all they're concerned for is their people downstream, because the water goes out of Colorado, northeast Kansas, into Nebraska. Stays in southern Nebraska and then tips back down into the state of Kansas, where their population base is. 
They want that water. They no, and they have water. elected officials that are fighting for them Hell to yes. get it. I, I yep, mean, yep, I, I, it that's, makes sense. That's the whole thing. It's no different than what they do up along the front range. Right. On the plat. Mm. I'll have to. I, that'd be interesting to see that and read that and see what they came up with in 42. Oh, you know? I'm sure it's. Well, it's all. You, it's you all Google there. It. Google it. Okay. You can read the whole thing. I mean, if huh. you want to read that much paper, you go in here. <laughs> I just take the I have to be version. really bored, right? One <laughs> well, night to do that. Remember what I told you about my reading. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, no. And so is there anything regarding water that we haven't touched on that you think is important for people, the message to get out or before one, we transition to the. One, one message I would like to, to get out. And that is these retirement programs that we talked about earlier, this mm -hmm. CREP program. Yep. Through the 2014 Farm Bill, we had a $180 rate in Kit Carson County. That's what the feds were paying per acre to retire an acre of ground, and they would pay that for 15 years. Now, there's a, there's a little thing called the National Agricultural Statistics Service. USDA runs their programs based on data of values that NAS gives to USDA. US, USDA has got is a big umbrella. There's the Farm Service Agency, the Natural Resources Conservation Service. NAS is also part of USDA. These other entities contract with NAS, and what NAS does is sends out surveys to farmers. And our data in Kit Carson County is skewed. The NAS data for irrigated rental rates only supports a hundred dollar CREP payment. Instead of 180, it's 100. In the 2014 Farm Bill, they had to revisit that number, and here's this NAS data again with this hundred dollars. We sent in when we saw that, because that was what our rental rate was gonna be. It's a little hard to retire an acre of ground in Kit Carson County. If they're only going to get compensated one hundred dollars an acre versus the one eighty versus the one eighty, <clears throat> and then exactly. why is that? Because of the data that got back from the surveys. Yes. And why was it skewed? Because it's people hate these surveys. So they Farmer, didn't fill it out correctly, or not enough filled it out, or or none at all. But somewhere the data is just really Ooh. not good. So that's important to get the right data. That's what you're saying. And there's an article coming out in the paper. Read it. In and, the Burlington Record? Yeah, all the papers in the basin. Okay. Um, there's an article coming out trying to explain this to producers that, especially in Kit Carson County, because what's weird is, is we're at 100. We were able to get the feds to adjust it up to 130, but that's still $50 short of the 180. Right. We don't think we're going to get any participation at this $130 level. Right across this county line, imaginary line in Yuma County, it's 231 but I can understand that because that county's got a lot of water, very aggressive lease competition. Mm -hmm. uh, Washington County, I believe, is at 201. Lincoln so, County is so, at 180. And, and here, that's what the data supported. Those but numbers. how do they come up with that number? The, we're saying the data, but how do you end up with 180? Okay, well, let, let's back up. Let's, how do you come, wind up with the 100? Okay. okay. The surveys are filled out. They go back to the, the enuminator, the, um, whatever, the guys that take care of all the numbers in the NAS. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They crunch all the numbers and they say, 
based on the information that we were given. This is what you should get. This is all we can support. So we need to do a better job at Kit Carson County of getting that survey filled out. That's important. I'm oh, glad you brought that it's up. It's huge. So does that go out to every person that has a well? It, it, it is a no, not necessarily. Uh, it, it's kind of a random survey, but there's a lot of people that get this survey. It's random, but majority of producers get this survey. So fill the survey most out. Most of them go. So we need them to do it so that the people that do choose to retire it are going to get that higher number well, because the, it's based on data, not skewed. Yep. Exactly, because the problem right now is, is we got people that don't maybe necessarily get a survey, but would like to retire their water, and they had no say in the deal. Mm. So we're trying to have a discussion with the National Agricultural Statistics Service, FSA, because they're the, they're, they're the two players in this program, right. and saying, look, something's not right, and you guys are using a method, because in this discussion you can't go in and say, you guys are... St- stupid right it's just that won't go very no, far it doesn't go very far so hey, you guys are morons so we're, 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 we're blaming ourselves first of all because we farmers are You're taking accountability and making sure that's I right gotcha. so but moving forward legitimately how could we better their system how could we how can we help you nas come up with a better system the mousetrap we've been using for 50 60 years maybe could be updated yeah because well, there's different they don't put any value on a crop share lease. It's all about these irrigated leases. Yeah. Cash leases. Cash leases is what they're after. And I'm saying that a, a, a crop share lease isn't a cash lease, but it still has a value. And they don't give any consideration to that. Oh, they only okay. Want, and they only will look at what a cash lease is. And they won't look at a family cash lease mm. because... So it is messed up. That's so. When's this next survey go out? Oh, what's what's? We're hoping we got our data in our article out quick enough because the next survey is coming out the Feb, February eighth. Okay, so, so let's make a note of that to put on February eighth to put on Facebook when we post it. Yeah, that that's the next NAS survey. Yep. And, and so there must be. It must be. How long does it take to fill a survey out? Because I, there's got to be questions. I, get, I that, can do it in less than an hour. So an hour or somebody else a couple hours, but they're asking que- they're asking you questions that have to do with like usage, basically math, what, right? To to arrive at a final number like that. Most of these surveys have to do with um, production. Okay, so in other words, <clears throat> in the spring you're going to get a survey. What are your planning intentions for corn this spring? So you're going to put in a number. Everybody's got the number already. So you put in the number. Because last fall we had to fill out one to how many planted acres of wheat did you have? You uh, put in that number. So they're they're trying to see so, what you're planting. So they track that. I mean, that's the job of NAS, this National Agricultural Statistics Service. Mm. And they're only, I, I mean, I'm one of these idiots that I've religiously filled this out forever. <laughs> right. Because I realized as a young at a young as a young person with my dad's help saying, look, the data is only as good as what we feed them. So we gotta give them good data. And today there is a major, major discussion about NAS data right. nationwide. Well, and especially because you look at the discrepancy there. And I mean, if somebody today decided, hey, raise their hand, they're like, okay, I'm ready to retire. Right. My mind's getting low. Right. It makes sense. They're going to be less likely if it's skewed and it's 100 versus 180 or 220 or whatever. It, it's so detrimental. Um, one of the... 
items that I mentioned in this issue paper that I was asked to write that we're going to send to um, the Rocky Mountain Region Director for this NAS, Bill Meyer, really nice guy. He's very interested in trying to better the situation. And I said, you know, I want to help you. We want to help you as a Republican River Water Conservation District come up with a better mousetrap, so to speak. Because USDA, whatever's broke here in Kit Carson County, we need to figure out how to fix it. Because it's very detrimental to the programs that USDA puts out there. It hurts USDA because the money's not used the way they want it to get used because we're not going to get any takers. Yeah. And, it, and, and the, the producer is not benefiting in the manner that the neighbor right across that imaginary line in the other three counties is. So we got to figure out how to get this thing fixed. We're probably stuck at the 130 for 2021, but we've got to be ready to rock and roll a year from now. We got to have something figured out with NAS to get that, get that or, number, that at least number. get it accurate, oh. get it up. So is there and like, and that's the fear, Troy, what, what we're going to try to do is get it corrected, but in correcting it, we may not like the answer, but if, if, if but we get good, correct. if we get it correct, then we can live with it. But to see the discrepancies now and say that ours is only a hundred, something's not well, right. Well, so like in digital marketing, you could send stuff out in an email, right? right? And then you can track it. You can have an open rate, right? Is that how you guys do with the survey where you go, we've sent out a thousand surveys. We, we got 400 back. NAS does. So do they have that data? Like what the last, is it an, NAS, an, is it NAS annual? NASA is the only one that collects the data. No, but I mean, is it an annual survey? Sure. So yep. what's the re response rate? Can't, I don't, I can't answer that. I don't know. And, you know, and, and I, what, what I'm concerned about in Kit Carson County is, okay, we've got, it's going out to, I don't know, 150, 200 producers. Only 10. Two, 10, 10 of them respond in the, same 10, and I'm not one of those 10 because I don't have any cash leases. Right. Um, the same 10 are doing it. And what we have found in our discussions about this issue is farmers are reluctant. This is a very guarded number. Okay. Nobody wants to know what your neighbors, they, they don't want to know. But they don't want a producer that's renting ground. I'm renting ground from you, Troy right. Schultz. Okay. I'm going to lowball my cash lease even though it's not right, I'm going to lowball it so that Troy thinks that, well, this must be the cash lease that everybody else is paying. So I need to lower mine. I got gotcha. That's what happens. So you have competing interests and that's going oh. to be hard then to get to the actual truth. There's a way, there's a way around it, I think. And, and that would be the NAS folks already collect production. They know what my farm yields. Okay. And that's an easy, that's a very easy survey to fill out. I just go to my spreadsheets and say, here's Here the is. number. Here's the number of acres we harvested it off of, da-da-da. People would, I think, would be more apt to say, okay, NAS, you know the numbers. Go to RMA and verify those numbers, the, the risk management agency under USDA. Okay. Again. Yeah, because it has another to be entity. There. Right. The insurance piece is what RMA is. Okay. Okay, federal, and you, you've got to have it. Yep. You've got to report. They've got the, the gross dollar amount because they know from, from the insurance what the average cash price was paid for a calendar year. They know what the yield was in any one given county. They've got the gross dollar amount. There's ways for them to tap into it with existing information.
what I see this maybe happening is they could get the gross here. So what they need to do is get the input costs. That's what the produ producer needs to do. And these, the, their survey needs to include cash inputs for fertilizer, corn seed, da, 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 all, all the So above. it can be accurate. So that they, and, and I think most farmers would be more apt to say, okay, this is what I spend to raise an acre of corn, an acre of wheat, dry land irrigated. That's easier maybe for them to do. And if they're not doing it, they need to be. But anyway, they're more... I think they'd be more apt to give that information up to NAS so that NAS could crunch all those numbers yeah. rather than saying, here's my, here's my cash lease. I got gotcha. you. So it's a different way to arrive at the information. Yep. So, uh, you know, so I, hopefully that, it's just an work. idea. No, it's a good so, idea. It's just an idea. Cause you gotta get that number up. I mean, if oh. you're going to have people volunteering, right? I mean, well, if there's no incentive, if there's no incentive, <laughs> they're not going to volunteer, especially even. if it's because of skewed data. Yep. So that's a good message to get out there. Yep. yep. So February, the week of February 8th, it's a Monday sometime that week in your mailbox, you should be getting a mail out if for you're, a If you're a producer. Yep. Yep. And I, we, it's unclear who gets it, uh, huh. the landowner or the, the renter. I mean, I get them as a renter. Um, and so I don't know what should be the person that's actually doing the farming, right? Well, that's the, the, the renter is the tenant is the one that's actually doing the farming yeah. to get an accurate yep. idea. Okay. So all right, just please, please take the time to fill out that survey accurately and uh, do whatever you can to get that number up, up as high as you can. If you've got a lease, that's a $200 an acre lease, get that data in there so that they can plug that into the formula and use it. Because you're helping other people that might yeah. really want to retire. This is that. not just about you. Okay. This affects what your decision, how you fill out that survey, not only affects you, but your neighbor. Okay. It's a good message. It's that simple. So anyway. Okay. All right. Thanks for talking about water. Now, yeah, it goes fast, <laughs> doesn't it, man? <laughs> it goes fast. Um, let's you know talk that, about. I just don't know how to shut up. No, this is good stuff, man. Let's talk about the the thing that you're working on. The top, thing. Is this the, the top secret? Seal? No, it's not. It's not. No, it's but not, but I mean, I think it's a really good idea. And so I know exactly how I want to open this up. Okay. You watch TV, right? No. Okay. <laughs> nope, I do. I watch TV. Okay, there, there's a little TV that there's this thing that interrupts the, what you're really trying to watch called commercials. Yep. There's a new commercial on. It's about, I forget what kind of beer it is. And they're raising this, producing this beer with organic everything. So here's, here's, here's the, this is organic. Well, I, I'm just saying here, here, here are the different options you've got when you buy their beer. They've got different flavors. Okay. And in rolls, <laughs> He's grabbing a quarter. <laughs> well, I found it on the floor. You found that on the floor. That's your lucky quarter there. This quarter, when it rolls onto the scene of this commercial. Talking, make sure you're talking into this. I'm sorry. That's okay. It says USDA. Oh, it says that on the commercial when you see it? or Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. That's the point I want to make. That label in organic growing those guys have done it. It's all agriculture. It's all good. And, and I don't, 
I'm envious of the job that they've done trying to promote organic. And they've gotten it to the point where USDA is comfortable putting their label on even today beer, not just bread, whatever. So all, they're, all they're, the, the USDA, they're saying, hey, this beer is organic. What does I mean, organic mean? It means no pesticides, no fertilizers, no, you know, all the stuff from the production end of it out in the field. Yeah, but how can that be real? But it is. But it's not, how do I want to, I'll say it this way. If, <clears throat> to me, organic, I hate to say it this way because I might upset somebody, but. That's okay. I mean, it's the way it goes. Here's the deal. Organic, if, if American agriculture today was forced by the government to raise everything organic, in that same equation, they'd have to figure out, okay, so what are we going to do with all these people that are going to die from starvation? Because we can't produce enough food organically to feed the world. We just can't. Right. If organic means no pesticides, no, but I mean, no, nothing. I mean, nothing. You look at some of these organic grows out in the field. and Oh my gosh. I, 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 my heart goes out to the producer that's trying to capture this economic gain from the organic quarter, so to speak. What is the economic gain? It's because oh, people are trying to buy it because they, they say will it's pay, they, they will pay way more for it. Like yeah. at a whole foods or oh, something. Yes. Or? Yes. That type of, uh, marketing system because you go into Safeway, King Supers, whatever. There is the little organic section. Yeah, and they all got that quarter emblem. It's more like a silver dollar. I'm, I'll I'm have just, to look I'm out for joking. that. No, I know. You know, I know what you mean. It's, it's got the USDA logo on it. Yeah, to give and what it does, and what I think there, there's two two pieces of this in, in my thought process is one, it does give the American consumer that hey, this is this is the the best I can possibly buy. But it is literally for the financially elite because it is, here's, here's the average cost of groceries. Here's non-GMO. Here's organic. You're paying a super duper premium for that grocery. Price and inflation now too, which is coming down the road, right? So yes. it's good. It, it, you, you, it's, it's hard to fathom how, how that all plays out. What's well, non-GMO versus organic? Okay. Non-GMO is, uh, genetic non-genetically modified organisms there's none of that going on in other words <clears throat> is that even possible though because i mean all, almost all seeds have been modified right well over the last 40 years the three of us sitting in this room guess what we're genetically modified well we were taking the genes <laughs> of our parents yeah were the product of that melding of those genes together plants have been doing it for years the, the rap that gmo got was Monsanto, when Monsanto perfected the ability to speed up that genetically modification process rather than doing it through the, the normal way before they were, the technology was there, it was all done through plant breeding. Okay. Which would take same, same end result, but the, the length of time was Monsanto shortened that time up to two years versus 10 years. Wow. I mean, it was that dramatic, but there are those in the country, in the world that believe that that genetically modified organism is not good for you, but yet they've been eating it their entire life. Every generation is eight, even back before I was born, which is a long time ago. Um, it was all genetically modified. 
but it was it was natural. Um, Monsanto just figured out how to shoot the gun, shoot the, shoot the gene in there, and bingo, we got it. Well, that has allowed American agriculture and agriculture worldwide to keep up with the demand for food. Okay, without that piece, that piece today, if if you plant this corn stalk, okay, and it's genetically modified to adapt to, you could put Roundup on it. You, it's going. It's naturally uh, going to take care of the rootworm. Um, the I'm drawing a blank. Another worm. Yeah, worms. And it's all natural. Right. You don't have to spray any pesticide on it to keep that worm out of that plant. That would be better than having pesticides, correct? Well, you would think, but there are there's a push. The non-GMO folks have made such a big deal out of this. They have. I mean, there's been lawsuits with Monsanto for years right. over this deal, and they've actually got it to the point where, okay, we're going to raise it, and it's going to be beef, non-GMO, nothing, nothing of the raw product, the feed stuffs that were fed to that animal didn't have any genetically modified organisms to grow it. In other words, nothing that Monsanto did or anybody else and it's, it's all going to be non-GMO or organic. I mean, it's all, it's kind of a stair step to be this way, to be organic. You're obviously non-GMO, right. but at the, in the supermarkets, there's people that raise stuff non-GMO, but they don't take it to that next level and sell it as an organic. Why? What would make it not organic if it's non-GMO? <laughs> not sure how that, how, the, how they determine that, but there is, there is a distinction. Go into the grocery store and pay attention in the, in the produce department, especially. Okay. There's non-GMO and there's organic. What I'm saying is, is since the 85 Farm Bill, um, that's when I first got involved with the conservation district here in Kit Carson County through the Burlington Conservation District. My first year was the, with the district was the first year that... Um, USDA enrolled the new farm program rolled out CRP again from the fifties. This is an 85. It had been laying there dormant for 35 years, 35 years. Anyway, part of that farm bill required every producer out there that's farming to have a conservation plan on his farm. You tell us how you're going to take care of that soil because we're paying you to do that. And that still happens now, right? That like every year today. you have to, every farmer has to have a conservation plan. And they have to be updated periodically, but every acre is got a, is under a conservation plan somehow. Is that only if you're borrowing money? Nope. Nope. If so, so even if you're only, everybody has a conservation plan. If you're taking any farm, if you're selling any product, any, no? if you're taking any subsidies from the federal government, that's what I was getting. You're going to have and there, uh, everyone is. I mean, there would I mean, there would be no way you would never. You'd be an idiot not to. Well, right? it's just I mean, the fact that, economically speaking, you have to. You can't afford. You can't right. survive without it. Gotcha. Unfortunately. Gotcha. So, as a result of this eighty-five farm bill, we had to have these conservation plans, and these conservation plans are made up of what they call, um, BMPs, uh, best management practices. And if you Google, Google best management practices on a computer, it goes to NRCS, USDA, and here is this whole myriad. And we've had to operate our farms 
according to these best management practices since the 85 Farm Bill. So my point is, is give us a label. Give the rest of us a label so that we can compete with these two guys. Because let that American consumer, let that American housewife that comes gets off work at 5 o'clock, I got to go grocery shopping tonight, especially during this pandemic. I feel bad because the pandemic is putting a lot of economic stress on the system in this country. They want to buy this. They want to buy this. But they can only afford the average stuff that I produce. Right. They, they don't want to spend. They can't get as many groceries here or here versus here. The dollar they spend, they can buy more groceries if they just buy the run-of-the-mill bread, not GMO, not organic. But these people that are buying this product need to understand that from a safety standpoint, it is as safe as either one of these two. And we haven't, I haven't, had a, I haven't done a good enough job of trying to tell the public, the American consumer, about this one. These guys, they've done a fantastic job. And it's all agriculture, so you can, it's, it's hard to say, well, they maybe have skewed this a little bit. Right. By saying that this is so much better. And some or of it could have so been, I mean, there's a motive, there's motivation. Sure. Because you're, it's more They're expensive. getting paid more. You're, you're pandering, not pandering, so you're going towards a certain demographic. Sure. Too. Sure. So, so I see what you're saying. So how much is this, the, the version that you're producing is, that's probably way higher. Well, the, this, overall, this, what is that? Like 80%, 85% versus like organic and non-GMO? Uh, or do, I mean, I know I, you I, might I, not know that. I, but. I'd be willing to bet you that it's more like... I haven't seen recent statistics, but I'd be willing to bet you that this feeds 90% of the population in the world. This is five, five, something like that. I mean, I'm, it's just a... No, I got you. And so your concept guess. is you want to come up with something here that also says, look, this is good. I mean... Give, give that consumer out there, when she walks in confidence. the grocery store, that, okay, this is okay. I'm okay with this. Because this quarter can roll across this screen, too. Yeah. So you want to get a USDA I, label for that. And that's what you're going to, what's your next step in that? <laughs> Where are you at? We're starting it right here tonight. Okay. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, but you told me about this months ago. But, so, but because of the pandemic, I mean, I, I brought a, I, I sent a, I, I put together a, an issue paper, so to speak. Okay. And send it to several entities. One was the Colorado Department of Agriculture, uh, NRCS, because NRCS is the USDA overseer on our conservation plans and i happen to know the state conservationists up in denver very well and and i ran it by him i ran it by uh kate uh greenberg i think that's right uh yes she's the commissioner for the state of colorado she loves the idea but it's not something necessarily they're going to just jump on until there's enough groundswell to say oh okay we need to start helping these folks out try to promote this because what people don't understand in all of this is when we produce this, we are producing it as safe as either one of these two. We don't put anything more on this than what we absolutely have to. Are we using more chemicals? Yes, there's no doubt. But the problem with food as it goes through the system and goes to the shelf, goes to the store, goes to the your refrigerator, it's not what we did in agriculture that is the problem. 
all of these still have, they have to put something on them for shelf life. Oh, so even the organic and and non-GMO still have something. Have something. Because otherwise, even organic, to get it to the shelf and get it, I mean, take a look at bananas, organic bananas versus these or these. Well, they still have to be on the shelf. Well, and they got to have something on, the on shelf, it to keep them. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is you personally look at bananas that are raised organically. Okay. Non-GMO, this. I don't even know where they got non-GMO bananas. I don't know. These bananas, I wouldn't take out of the store. Because they're brown already. I mean, it's just like. So I see what missing. you're saying. Yeah. Okay. But my. Yes. It does, yeah, and it exactly. looks. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah but my point is, is this is as, is as good as it gets. It needs as good as it needs to be. If you want these two and you can afford it, so be it. But give the American consumer, especially during this pandemic, I just I feel so bad. Yeah, and that's part of the reason I just shelved this whole thing because there's there's enough going on. Yeah, and, there's and, a and, lot, and it's hard to focus. So I get you on a new venture like that. Oh yeah, a new concept and, and, and USDA working from home. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't want to. But at least you're getting that message out there, and so it's it's kind of twofold. The purpose is it helps ninety percent of over here of the farmers that are like yeah. we're doing good stuff. We're doing excellent. The person that would be against it is is the organic and non-GMO. But so, so be it. Yeah, and to me, it's it. To but then me, it also helps other people with their psychology, right? Like yep. I'm not making a bad purchase here because no, it's non-GMO and organic. I'm not, I'm not killing my family. Right. So that's your whole thing because you actually feel like you know it's kind of bogus that there's these labels on the other two and Not then the bogus. other ones they're, they're, well, they're okay, legitimate me. but and it's all agriculture i don't want to take away from that okay so but bogus my point is, is word, but. The, po the point i'm trying to make is is these two about yard this one they've done their homework they've got the american consumer on board for non-gmo or organic not everybody can afford these two so let's give these people I mentioned this at a meeting one day. The guy says um, he was from the Colorado Department of Ag. He was giving a presentation. He says, is there anything else? And I go, yeah, give us a label. And he looks at me and he goes, I go, I want a label. And he goes, for what? And I go, you guys have a label for this one. There, there's a big push for this one because it's not necessarily a, a USDA label, but it's non-GMO. What that's what the American suit consumer. What do you think this label would, it, any um, idea or what it would be called? I want this one. And the USDA. And, and instead of saying organic, it would be, I don't know what the, what the name would be, but it would have to be something to give the American consumer the confidence that this was grown with these best management practices. That's a longer term than. Yeah. yeah. You'd have to think about something that would kind of. Have to do something, but. Yeah, that capture that's, that's, everything there, you know. Yep, and and then put us on an equal playing field. I don't have anything to gain from this. I mean, if if I, it's not that I'm wanting to do this to these two, do it for financial gain. Ninety percent of the food is produced here, and all we're trying to do is compete. That's all this is. Is, is give us something so that we can compete with these two, and make other people that are in that position to buy that. Feel good okay, it. it's yeah. still, I mean, it's still good. It's still grown <laughs> by our farmers. I mean, like I said, 90% of the food in the world is still here. Right. It's not here. 
So, I mean, that's that's kind of it. That one in a nutshell. I mean, okay. Th- this quarter thing. It's, no. a big, it's a bigger quarter, though. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's a big quarter. It's a giant quarter. But, I mean, it would, it would just be a, oh, I don't want to say it. For me, it's all about giving that housewife the confidence that when she walks out of there, she's got the best she can afford. And she doesn't have to be thinking, God, I wish I could afford it. I wish I could afford this. Because we need to explain to them that this is as safe as it gets. Okay. In the mass world. So there you go. There you go. Pretty much. All right. We covered a lot today. So, and uh, you know, I've been trying to get you in here for a while. I don't know how long we've gone. What time is it? Oh, we, we've gone for a while. We've gone for a while. But no, I... To- no, and I want to say thank you, you know, <laughs> thank you for coming in. Oh, I mean, I really welcome. appreciate it. And this is, this is one of those podcasts that really, I think, can make a difference. You know, we're, we're talking about things that are important to everyone. Well, and so you have a standing invitation to come back here anytime. <laughs> I mean, as, as things roll forward, you know, with those surveys, you told, I learned so much in the last hour. I didn't have any idea. On the waterfront? On the waterfront. In general. Yeah. As, as, as the conservation plans develop. Yeah, I'd be more than happy to come in and give you an update on where that process is at. Yeah. To try to help help us get it out so that Well, uh, take that survey. If there's one message out of today, yep. it's that yep. survey's coming and it's important. So Yep. All right. And, and then be part of the be part of the bigger conservation plan to being developed locally. Yep. There's the other one. And be and, aware. And your quarter. And the quarter. All right. <laughs> We're wrapping up. Okay. Right. Thanks, Tim. You bet. I appreciate it. You bet.